going to have a good time today. If you don't like having a good time at church, you're dismissed. We're going to enjoy God this morning. Who likes to enjoy God at church? Anybody like to enjoy God? Come on, go ahead and remind your face. You're here to have a good time. We're enjoying God today. I know I get intense sometimes when I start feeling the anointing. My wife's like, just settle down, Mark. Enjoy God. But I just, I got to smile a little bit because I'm happy for what God is getting ready to do today. We're in a good season. Who believes we're in a good season? I don't know if you know this, man, but it's wild. We, uh, about, about two months ago, we were able to baptize about 4,200 people at Baptized SoCal. <laughs> Beginning of summer. How cool is God? Abel, right now they are completing our, think, our seventh and eighth orphanage that we have built in India. 800 kids that we've rescued off the streets. What a good summer we're in right now. So excited, man. God's doing some great things. Brought some amazing people into the church. Has brought some good-looking people into the church. You're lacking confidence, but you're good-looking people. Some faith. Where's my faith-filled people at in the church? So today, I'm so glad you're here. If you hear something good today, you can say amen. I preach shorter and better. It actually, the, the breeze kicks up when you say amen in church. So uh, I'm so glad you're here today. I want to welcome everybody watching online. And this is Ocean's Church. You know, you're in a four-year-old miracle. God's been moving in a powerful way. And all we've been trying to do, man, is just be obedient to the voice of God. It's crazy how God will do amazing things if you just listen to his voice. I hear like God, I feel like out of the gate, God wants me to tell somebody that you will never go backwards in life if you put God first. That's a lie from hell. Actually, God will never ask you to do anything that won't help you out in the long run. If he asked you for it, it's because he's got something better for you on the other side. That's a good spot for an amen. Someone's dating a girl. You're like, why is God asking me for this relationship? Probably because he knows that she's Delilah. So give God that relationship. If he says break up, break up. If he says get married, get married. He says take the job, take the job. We do the old Nike way of life like Mary. Whatever he tells you to do. Just do it. Amen. So today, I want to jump in. We've been in a series called Breaking Babylon. Anybody here for the last few weeks for Breaking Babylon? I hope it's encouraged you. I know it's been deep. I actually met a couple uh, after first service. They said they've been coming for three weeks. I was happy to report, if we haven't lost you the last three weeks, we'll be hanging for a while. We were traversing some of the deep things of God the last three weeks. We've talked about demons, we've talked about evil spirits, principalities and powers. We've even talked about spiritual warfare. It's crazy, I know. All those things we try to mute out in the Bible. It's hard. If you take demons and miracles out of the New Testament, you're missing about two-thirds of the New Testament. We know that God did heal people. We don't know why he doesn't heal everybody all the time. Our job isn't to know that. That's God's job. Our job is to believe that our God can and our God will. But even if he doesn't, we're still all in. And so we've been in a series called Breaking Babylon. The idea has been basically getting free. The uh, thesis of this series is the idea that it is possible to be, to be given your heart, to give your heart to Jesus, to be on your way to heaven and still be living in bondage. We talked about people that have enough of Jesus to get to heaven, but not enough of the Holy Spirit to get free from hell. We know that historically God, it was easier for God to get the Israelites out of Egypt than it was for God to get Egypt out of the Israelites. We know that it took them 12 days 
if they would have went straight to the promised land, but it took them 40 years. Why would it take 40 years on a 12-day tour? It's Gilligan's Island, somebody. I'll tell you why. Because it's harder sometimes to get free than it is to get saved. And we don't talk a lot about this. And that's why divorce rates are just as high and, 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 and adultery and perversion and pornography and all these, these demented, sick habits that we get into in our, our hearts because we don't let Jesus renew our mind and liberate our soul. So we went into the deep end. And here at Oceans Church, we have a disclaimer that every great swimming pool has a shallow end and it has a deep end. We make no apologies that God's kingdom has a deep end. Our heart is this, though. If you go to Oceans Church, here's my promise to you. I won't push you into the deep end and say you're either going to doggy paddle and survive or you're never going to come back to church again. I promise I will pray for you. I will do my best to use language and thoughts, analogies, and scripture to show you how to swim. Because there is a peace that comes to children when you know my kids, look, they might not be Olympians like Michael Phelps, but they're not going to drown. If you stay in this church, I promise you will learn how to swim in the deeper things of God. We're not going to shy away from miracles. We're not going to shy away from the power of God, the fruit of the Spirit, or the gifts of the Spirit. Come on, if I can't get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod. You go ahead, give me a Presbyterian eyebrow raise. I'll take a Catholic deep breath today. Give me something. I promise you, most people, they have no enthusiasm because they're not all the way in. God wasn't, he doesn't want to get just to heaven. He wants to get heaven inside of you. How do you pray? On earth as it is in. That's what we're going to do. And today, I got good news. We're not going to go quite as deep as we did last week. Last two weeks has been about getting stuff out. Today, we're going to get something in. Is that all right today? We know that the Bible is clear that the kingdom of God is not just about evicting darkness. It's about filling up with the Holy Spirit. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. He says, be filled. Be what? It's interesting that he uses wine. Why doesn't he say water? Because water refreshes wine influences. God doesn't just want to fill you up to hydrate you. The Holy Spirit wants to influence the way you live your life. You drink enough wine, you get loud. Crazy. You drink enough wine, people that aren't attractive start getting attractive. Let's preach and get up in here today. Called beer goggles, right? What happens there is that you were influenced by wine. Why does he say, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled? He wants you to know that if you get enough of the Holy Spirit, he will change the way you see the world. You'll start thinking people that you normally would hate are attractive. I don't know why I love that guy. We vote different. We look different. But I love that guy. You are drunk with the spirit, friends. That's a good spot for an amen. I'm preaching good already. That was in my notes. I want you to know today that the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to get stuff out. He wants to get something in. This is a big idea I want to share because breaking Babylon, most people don't realize this, that it's not just about getting the darkness out. It's about getting filled up. And the Bible is very clear. It even says this in Matthew 12, that when an evil spirit leaves a home, that if you don't fill up, he'll come back with other wicked spirits 
And sometimes the bondage that you got free from gets worse if you don't fill up with God. So I'm trying to do my due diligence as your pastor to not just kick the devil out, but we got to move the Holy Spirit in. Amen? This is a big deal here today, and I, I, I'm really excited about this. We've been talking about putting off the old man. Today we're going to be putting on the new man. So it says in Ephesians 4.22. Are you guys ready to go? It's a big deal today. And so I want to talk this morning out of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Uh, this is a story about Jesus. He's 12 years old. We don't know much about Jesus the first 30 years of his life. We have a couple of Kodak pictures, just snapshots of what he was like as a child. This is one of them. He's 12. How old? He's 12 years old. And I do believe that his priorities, because it's a big deal. I want you to write this down. Purpose frames your priorities. And if you don't have God's purpose, your priorities will make no sense. That's why people will spend all of their money on things that don't matter. They'll spend their time on everything that doesn't matter. That's why you can succeed in business and fail at life. Because purpose is what frames priorities. I feel like teaching today. Can I get an amen from somebody? So watch me now. I want you to get this in your soul today. That it, Christianity isn't just about what we avoid. It's about who we pursue. And I'll be very honest with you. If you just try to run away from Babylon without pursuing Jesus, you will turn into a Pharisee. Pharisees try to avoid the world at the expense of not pursuing God. And I'm telling you right now that you can miss sin but still end up in bondage to religion. So it's this, this tension between I know I'm going to unhitch from where I came from, but I'm not just going to avoid darkness. I'm pursuing Jesus. Y'all with me today? Luke chapter 2, if you're there, say I'm there. I'm going to read 11 verses today in Luke chapter 2. This is the beginning of Jesus' 12-year-old life. It says his parents went to the Jerusalem every year. How many years? Say it one time with me, every year. This is just a little quick message before I get into my message. Parents, be consistent with getting your kids in church. I know so many parents that they don't make church a priority for your kids. And when your kids go to college or they move out, you wonder, why do my kids not take the things of God seriously? It's because you treated the things of God as an elective credit. And when, when, when church is an elective, they won't major in it when they have kids. Every year, how many years? Every year, his parents brought them to the temple at the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, he went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as the boy returned, or as, as the days, as they returned, the boy, Jesus, lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph, his mother, did not know it. But supposing for him to be with one of the company, they went a day's journey. They went a full day. How long? I wonder, here's my question for you this morning. I felt like God wanted me to ask you this. How long would it take you to notice that you're not walking in the manifest presence of Jesus? They made it one day out of church. And they realized, wait a second, God isn't here. God isn't speaking to us. We must grieve the Holy Spirit. It lasted one day. They thought that maybe he was with their relatives, so they sought him, the acquaintances. They didn't find him. They didn't find him. Guess what? The parents of Jesus were the first ones to leave God at church. They weren't the last. 
They left Jesus at church. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking Jesus. Now he was there after three days. They sought him for three days. They found him in the church, the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening and asking questions. Listening and asking questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. His mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. We were freaking out. And I recommend not to respond like this unless you're Jesus. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? That I must, that I must be about my father's business. They didn't understand the statement that he spoke. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was sub subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, favor with both God and with men. Wisdom, stature, favor with both God and with men. I want to talk to you today on the subject matter, a holy must. A holy must. I think breaking Babylon is about taking authority over darkness. Jack Hayford says that you can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out your flesh nature. So Christians have to take authority over demons by kicking them out, but by discipling your flesh nature through spiritual disciplines, which he would call, uh, he, calls, he calls it disciplined liberties. Anyways, you guys ready to go? I'm going to pray a holy must. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in Oceans Church. All the people that got free this month. Thank you for generational curses that have been broken off. Thank you for first-generation Christians saying, hey, ain't going any farther into darkness in this family line. Thank you for, for those that have turned to you, that have turned from darkness to the living God. We pray that we wouldn't be a church that just tastes freedom, but we'd be a church that lives in it. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here today. Meet us, heal us, lead us, guide us, fill us. In Jesus Christ's name, we honor you and help the Lakers and the angels. In Jesus' name, God's people said amen. Always lose some enthusiasm at the end there. I, uh, I know I'm like every 39-year-old. I have the stories about my youth when I was a kid. You know, when you're older than 30, I saw a, actually I saw a uh, emoji this last week that said, if you played this, and it had a picture of an Atari, uh, it says, if you played this growing up, you're due for a colonoscopy. <laughs> I'm, I'm turning 40 this year, and uh, you know what's crazy about this is I grew up in... I know I have the stories like many of you. You know, when I was a kid, it was so different. And I used to have to, you know, walk 20 miles in the snow both ways uphill. And I had those stories like our grandparents had telling my kids. But uh, the truth is, when I was growing up, sports were a lot different. I don't know if you know this about Orange County sports, but they're no joke. I would like to speak on the behalf of all the parents of Orange County. we got to settle down. It's getting out of control around these parts. I'm like, my Lanta, we have traveling t-ball teams. What is the world coming to? I mean, I've seen dedication to sports, but never like I've seen it the last few years. We got, we got school practice, school games, club practice, club games. We got personal coaches, nutritionalists, weight trainers. Talking about my kids in t-ball, but he needs a swing coach. Like, he needs a coloring book is what he needs. 
Settle down. Tired of it. It's like so competitive. I remember being the chaplain at Boise State for years. Get the pastor, all these freak athletes. One of my good friends, Jamar Taylor, I think he's watching today. He's a, not only one of the best football players to come out of Boise State, had a prolific career in the NFL, but Jamar Taylor would go on to marry a girl named Mackenzie. Yeah. And Mackenzie was a track and fill star. And I was like, look, guys, I don't feel good about this. We are stacking the genetic field. So normal folk, we're going to have kids that are going to be like, look, there's no chance. I'm like, here's the deal. You guys need to marry people that have never played a sport in their life. We should make it a rule, shouldn't we? Like, if you're a pro athlete, marry a chess champion. Come on, somebody. Start stacking sports, right? But this guy literally, he's, he's, a, he's a phenomenal athlete. She's a phenomenal track and field athlete. And they just created these kids that, like, their little girl Darnell is the cutest thing you'll ever see. But she's going to be just an unbelievable athlete. I realized here in Orange County, I'm like, man, I never realized that you could play sports eight days a week. We rented a school. We started the church. We met at a high school. And I'm like, what are all the cars in the parking lot doing here on Sunday? They're like, oh, they're all here for idol worship. I mean, uh, softball, baseball. And uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Shots fired. But like, really? Like, Sunday? Can we just take a day off? No, man. If we take a day off, our kids are going to fall behind. It's like this peer pressure to keep going. And I'm like, man, we are in this crazy, unprecedented time that there is dedication to sports we've never seen before. You want your kids? I'm like, when I was growing up, if you wanted to try out for the basketball team in junior high, you could. Even if you've never really played before. It's called dribbling? Okay. Mama made the team. Now, you better have been playing basketball since you were saying, mama. Oh, you haven't been playing since three? No, I'm sorry, man. We had to spot on the squad. We're locked up, locked in. Thought I'd try out for the volleyball team. No, we've been playing in the nursery, in the hospital. There's this little area with this little sand pit. It was right next to the NICU. We had the sand pit, and all the little babies in Orange County were just... Just bump set spiking. Just bump set spike. Just that music playing in the speakers. Bump set spike. Bump set spike. It's true. That's why you're laughing. It's like, it's out of control. I want my kids to go to sport, play sports, or do I want them to get married one day? It's like, we're choosing one or the other. Sports are no joke. You know, it's interesting. Some of the great athletes of the world, the Tiger Woods, the LeBron James, some of these great athletes, if you looked at what they were doing at 12, you would get a good indicator of how great they would be in their 20s. Many of the greatest athletes right now in the world, they started at a young age. That's why in Orange County, they're like, hey, I think I'm going to sign your kid up. You need an agent? They're like six years old. Maybe. Maybe they need an agent. But it's wild that Jesus, we have one snapshot frame. He's 12 years old. And at 12 years old, when most kids would probably be playing with Legos and Tonka trucks and maybe not in that day and age, but maybe they'd be using their imagination. That's my grandparents said they did when they were kids. They're like, you guys had Tonka trucks? We had an imagination. So maybe Jesus was just using his imagination. But when everybody else was just kind of going about the, the flow of life, as a junior high student, he wanted to linger in the church. His priority was connected to his purpose. He said this crazy statement to his mom 
that he goes, hey, uh, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have wondered where I was. Did you not know that I must? Say we must. Not to be mistaken with musk, M-U-S-K. Can I get an amen? Musk is that annoying thing that happens to your clothes if they don't dry all the way. You ever put on a musky t-shirt? You thought it was fine, it seemed okay, but you put it on, and the moment you began to sweat, it smelled like hell. That's like sulfur and like junior high locker room. What is going on? That, what's that smell? Musky shirts drive me crazy. I would say outside of the devil, I hate crabgrass. I hate mosquitoes. And I hate musk. Can I get an amen? You ever put a shirt on? You're like, I took a shower, but this shirt just reeks. I have a rule that I'm like, once you go musk, I don't trust you again. I'll throw you out. My mom's like, no, you can wash it. I'm like, no, mom, you don't understand. I don't trust that thing. Got so angry wearing that shirt. I believe this, this big deal here today, is that Jesus had not a musk, he had a must. It's a big deal, because I think most people never get free because they get the devil out, but they don't have a must of what needs to come back in. Jesus is very clear that I'm not just trying to dodge darkness. At 12 years old, he goes, this is what I'm all about. This is what I'm going to give my life to. This is what I'm going to practice. It says he was listening and asking questions. Listening and asking questions. And it says this, I don't think it's coincidental in 252, that he grew in wisdom, favor, stature, God, and man. Why? Because he lingered in the church, and he was listening, and he was asking questions. Most people never grow in wisdom, grow in favor, grow in stature, because they linger in the wrong house. We want to know we're lingering, man, I must. I must be about the golf course. I must be about the club. Where are those that must be about our father's business? Most people are aiming at the temporary, aiming for retirement. Well, I got to get good grades so I can get a good job, or I got to get good grades so I can go to good college, got to go to a good college so I can get a good degree, get a good paying job so I can live in a good neighborhood, so I can send my kids to a good school, and my kids can have a good wedding, and I can retire at a good age, and play at a good golf course, and have a good life. The problem is, is that oftentimes we're aiming at what doesn't last forever. Jesus is 12 years old, and he goes, look, this is what I must do. The irony is, is that his earthly father, Joseph, was there, who built cabinets, tables, chairs. And he's like, no, I have to be about my father's business. Your father isn't a uh, priest. Yes, he is. No, your father's a carpenter. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Where's the snow, right? That was the movie line. He said this. He goes, no, no, no. My father, my, my heavenly father, I got to be about his business. There was a must in him that he was all about pursuing. Are you with me today? This is a wild thought here today, but I wanted to just get this idea in it, a uh, big idea here today. Is there something about purpose that gives priorities the right place in your life? There is something about purpose that gives priorities a proper place in your life. I wouldn't say that we're hoarders. Can I get an amen? We're pretty organized people. I like to brag. Pretty organized. We're the people that clean before the cleaners show up. You know who you are. We have some pride about our house. I'm always telling Rochelle, look, if we're going to pay someone to clean the house, let's just let it go. Let's just burn it down. Let it clean it up. She's like, no, no, no. It's got to be good. We don't want them to think that we're a bunch of slobs. So we'll clean, right? But, but I'm not like, we're not OCD, like let's go through every cupboard. 
But our friends, Mark and Laws, she is OCD with cleaning. She was staying in her house. She opened her pantry. She's like, I got to help you guys out. She's like, give me your credit card. She went to a store that we won't talk about in this church. It's a tough crowd. She bought a bunch of cabinet organization. I didn't know you could spend that much money on storage bins. You know what she did? She got a labeler. She started going through. She took everything out of the cupboards, and she started putting all these things. Like, like little, you know what I'm talking about? I didn't know these things existed. And she had like this little like little thing that like computed like, and it has names for everything. Like I'm all about the junk drawer. Can I get an amen? I'm like, if you don't know where I go, just put it in the junk drawer. It's like duct tape, scotch tape, batteries, Blackberry chargers. Come on. Let's put it in the junk drawer. She's in there. You find it in there. But she's like, no, no, no. Every, listen, this is what she said. She goes, everything needs to have a place. Everything needs to have a place. Do you know what organization is? Organization is the idea that purpose dictates your priorities. That whatever the purpose is, that the cupboard is going to have a purpose. This is where the noodles are going to go. This is where this is going to go. This is where the eggs are going to go. This is the organization. Everything has a place determined by the purpose. And I believe many people never get filled with the right purpose and priorities because they never discover their must. Your must. Purpose is what gives God priorities, gives priorities places in your life. To demand, this is a big deal. I, wanna, I don't want to just think differently. I want to live differently. But the way that we live differently is by having a must. Say it with me, a must. You got to shout it like you mean it, must. This is a big deal here. Jesus had a must at an early age. Luke 2, what's your must? Jesus, I must be about my father's business. Luke 4, I must, he says at 30, I must preach the gospel for this purpose I came. Luke 9, uh, the Son of Man must suffer. He's going to bear the sins of the world. John 3, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And if he is, he'll draw all men unto himself. Jesus knew from the youngest age to the oldest age what his must was. I think many people live in bondage because they never know their must. They get personally free. They get set free, delivered. Power of God hits them. Peace of God fills them. Tears flow out of their eyes. But because they never leave and say, God, what is your purpose? What is your must for my life? You'll live to make a living and not make a difference. You'll live for 80 years and not for eternity. You'll be more passionate about your college than you are your kingdom. I feel like preaching up in here today. And how many people are there like that? That I'll leave all of my millions of dollars to the university that I went to or to the film school that I graduated from or to the sports program that I played at, but you won't invest a dollar into the kingdom of God? I'll tell you why. It's because you're living for a temporary world. And as far as I can tell, Jesus didn't live for the temporary. He had a must for the Father's business. Can I get an amen? And I heard the Lord say he's looking for a musty church. Can I get a witness? Not a musky church, a musty church. I think that the holy must comes when, number one, we realize that you have a mandate. The first thing that God's must does when you have a father's business must is that a, a mandate is something that you will die to achieve. Jesus would die. He says, look, Father, I would prefer to not die today. 
nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. A mandate is this idea that I'm going to live my life for the Father's business. The glory of God in my sphere, my gifts, my experience, my loved ones. Christianity isn't about just what I avoid. It's about what I'm going to give my life to pursue. My must. Say with me, my must. Life is essentially, write this down, my thesis this morning. Life is basically, your must, is about knowing God and pleasing God. I've learned that God shows up where he's invited. And the reason why some of you meet with him on Sundays, but not anywhere else during the week, is you don't want him to show up anywhere else. God doesn't want to just be this night and weekend. Jesus didn't die to get partial custody of you. Are you hearing me today? Jesus went to the cross to be with you seven days a week. Not just church, not just small group. He wants you to bring the church into your family. Can I get a good amen? It's a big deal because John 8, 29, Jesus said, He has not left me alone for I always, how, when does he do it? I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And I'll tell you a little secret right now. If you will live your life to please God, God will respond like he did to Jesus at his baptism. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. When you live your life to please God, God lives his existence to please your life. Show you his goodness. Give you blessing that makes rich and adds no sorrow. Can I get a good witness up in here? He's a good father. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? Most of you don't live your lives to please God. You live to please yourself. We live in a world that's full of godless ambition. Godless ambition comes from the word in the Greek language, uh, erithia. It means, to, uh, the idea is about a politician who manipulates his way into an office. Ambition is described as a selfish, driven person who will stop at nothing to achieve his ends. His goals justify his means. Fiercely competitive, driven forward by a sense of insecurity and ego. I'm convinced that most Christians that burn out, they burn out because they're trying to do things God never asked them to do. There is a fine line between the grace that God's called you to build with and the ego that you want to build after. If you build pursuing ego, you will burn out. But if you build what God asked you to build, you will continue to be like the bush, on fire without burning out. Good spot for an amen. Come on, give me a hand clap if you believe that today. Our ambition is not just self-seeking. Our ambition is to please him. So 2 Corinthians says, he says, we also have this ambition to be pleasing to him. There is a purpose about priorities. It's about finding your mission and staying focused on it. I repeat, our purpose is about discovering our mission and staying focused on it. Listen to me. Christ's goal was not to prolong his life, but to fulfill the purpose of his life. What good is a long life if there's no purpose in it? I've met men and women of God that lived 30 years that shook the world. People like Bonhoeffer. How in the world do you live 30-something years and shake the world up upside down? And I know wicked people that live 90 years and they contribute nothing to eternity. I don't want to just have a long life that doesn't matter. Can I get a good witness up in here today? Most people live just to lower their golf handicap. 
They live to just entertain themselves to death. They work themselves to death. They say, I'll go to sleep after this next Netflix series, after this next season. And I'm not against any of those things. But when your must is more connected to the temporary than the eternal, you get life upside down. I think we have to be like Winston Churchill during World War II, that he said, we are fighting for the future of future generations. We are fighting for the freedom of future generations. This will be our finest hour. There has to be an urgency. Say with me, a must. Must reminds you that, look, if we either turn to God as a nation, as a state, that the church either catches fire and sees a revival that turns the wickedness into the righteousness of God. God will make it without America. America will not make it without God. And I'm telling you that the only hope for our nation is a sovereign move of Jesus. How do you know? Because every major civilization in the last 6,000 years have risen and fallen, never died by murder, always died by suicide. It's when the blessing of God leads to a headiness that knowledge puffs up, love edifies, that we get so smart we push God away. And in the efforts to educate witty devils, we get so wise in our own eyes that we say we no longer need God. And that's why prosperity will often lead into decadence. And when decadence settles in, nations and empires fall. Happened to the Mongolians, the Romans, I go down the list. Are you hearing me today? And it is our destiny to fail if God does not intervene. And that's why the church has to wake up. I must. I'm not just living to retire at 42. You're living for eternity. We need people that are winning in business to go, I must be about my father's business. Mandate. I'm living for this thing. I'm not just paying my bills and going on vacations. I'm here to make a difference on the earth. Can I get an amen? Where is the urgency? Do you know there's 5 billion people at least, at least 5 billion humans right now that do not know Jesus Christ? And we say it in the way that no one likes to say it, 5 billion people that won't go to heaven one day. Do you know how many people 5 billion is? Let me give you an idea. Let me give you a Disneyland line. If the line for 5 billion people was literally me standing here, next person standing here, next person standing here, a Disneyland line, do you know how long the line would be? It would go all the way around the equator 37 times. 37 times. We're talking about, I just want to get a nicer car. I want to retire a little early, play more golf. And there's 37 lines around the equator that have never heard, never believed. How will they hear if we don't send preachers? How will they preach if they don't hear? How will they hear if we don't build churches, send missionaries? Where are the people that go, I'm here alive for the five billion that don't know him yet? Come on, if you're gonna clap, give God a good hand clap today. I know I'm ruffling some feathers, but we have too many people aiming for the temporary. C.S. Lewis said, aim for this life and miss eternity. Aim for eternity, get this life thrown in. I feel an urgency. I don't know when he's going to return. He can return in our lifetime. He can return in this service. I don't know the day or the hour. No one does. And when someone gets on Twitter or X and starts saying he does, he a liar. No man knows the day or the hour. 
But I tell you this, we have to live with a must that affects our mandate. You're not just an educator. You're mandated to be salt and light. You're not just a businessman. You're salt and light. You're not a security guard at a hotel. You're salt and light. Are you hearing me today? I'm just in college. No, you're not. You are an evangelist at a university. You are salt and you are light. And when we realize that someone come on the keys, I'm almost finished here today. We realize that our desire is to live a mandate. A mandate. I have to have a must in my mandate. Paul says any, any athlete, any soldier, any farmer, any of those people, you know what they do is they live with, with purpose. Athletes compete according to the rules. Farmers eat of their own crops. And he says soldiers only live to please the one that enlisted them. We got too many people that are trying to get tangled up and not living for the king or the general, and we're just trying to enjoy our life on the battlefield. God wants a must in your mandate. He wants a must in your method. What do you mean method, Mark? I mean that our method of life is I want to live to please God. I'm going to plan my work and then work my plan. Can I get an amen? What are you talking about? I'm saying that we, as Jack Hayford calls it, we experience disciplined liberties. Emotions come and go, friends. Today you might feel happy or sad. It's going to go. doesn't matter how good today is or how bad today is. It'll come and go. What you have to do is realize that I am not a victim of my emotions. And there is no replacements for disciplined liberty. This is when I read the Bible and the Bible reads me. It's when I talk to God and God talks to me. It's when I worship God and God begins to fill me with his presence. It's when I realize that I'm living my life with a must to build his kingdom. What do you mean methods? I'm talking about your way of life. The truth is, I believe that your kids, your spouses, should know firsthand that God is real by the way he's changing you. The way that he shines in you and out of you. I want my kids to catch me on my knees praying. I want my kids to catch me in the prayer closet with tears flowing down my eyes. I want my kids to grow up saying, I know that God is real because I've seen how he's touched my mom and dad. It's evident. And I would challenge you dads today and you moms today, if you don't pray with your kids at night, start today. Here's what it looks like. You bring them into the room. If you have a teenager, if you have a teenager it'll probably go something like this. Really, dad? You want us to pray? Yeah, I do. And here's how it looks, Dad. This is all you got to do today. Just go, hey, guys, we're going to pray today. Come on, come on the bed. And you get your whole little family on the bed. And you say, Dad and Mom are going to pray. And when they start trying to go, why are we praying? It's so goofy. Just a pastor today, that dumb pastor that didn't wear socks. My eyes are up here, people, okay? Stay with me. You tell them this. You say, I'm sorry for not teaching you this sooner. If I taught you how to cheer for sports, if I taught you how to get angry in traffic, if I taught you English and math, I'm going to teach you one thing that's even greater. I'm going to teach you how to touch heaven. And if your family at night, you hear me, Dad, you hear me, Mom, you don't have to be a theologian. Truth is, everybody's a theologian. Most people are just poor theologians. All you got to do is just go, God, I'm praying for my Kenzie and my Chloe. I'm praying for my Rochelle. I'm praying for my church. I'm praying for my mom and my dad, my brothers. You lift them up to God. 
you know, God, this week we have a bill coming up. Or, hey, God, this week we have a challenge we're facing. We bring it to you. As our daughters start a new school year, we bind them to the perfect will of God. As my children start a new school year, we call in godly friends. We assign angels that would keep our kids from the schemes of the enemy. So easy, right? In Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, your kids go, you know what, Dad, thank you. They might not give you credit now, but one day they'll thank you. And you know the truth is, one day they'll be sitting on the bed with their kids. And they'll go, let me not, let me not just do what my parents didn't do. Let me do what my parents modeled. That's your method. And the last two things I want you to write down, it's a big deal. Are you still with me today? I, I think that if you have a God must for your father's business, it'll affect your mandate. It'll affect your methods. And guess what? Make no mistake about it. It will affect your money. I know that we don't like talking about it because we think that the church just wants your money. God does not need a dollar from you. He's going to be fine. But I'm telling you today as your pastor that you need God to have your money. You need God to have your heart. Because if he doesn't have your money, he won't have your heart. He said this very clearly in Matthew 6. He said, where your treasure is, your heart will be there. Here's what we know. In Luke 19, he has an encounter with a little guy named Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. And this encounter with Zacchaeus, one day, Jesus doesn't do an offering message, doesn't do an altar call. One encounter with Jesus, and the first thing he wanted to do is he wanted to use his money to make a difference for people. And I would question the validity of some people's encounters if they say they love the kingdom but they've never given a dollar to it. When you have a real encounter with the king, you want to leverage your life to reach his people. You know why? Because when you really fall in love with someone, you'll start caring about what they care about. How do you know that? Because I started watching the Hallmark Channel. I couldn't stand that stuff. Matt Rochelle, her family, all they do, all 14 days of Christmas break, it's like movies. Oh my gosh, another one? How many of these do they make every year? It's like as many movies as there are Law and Order episodes. Dun, dun. Listen, you know what happened though? I started watching what she watched because I loved her. You can't love God and not love the people that he cares about. There's a guy in Canada, I said this first service, in 2008 to 2016, 17, we saw 18,000 plus young people come to Jesus in our youth and young adult ministry. It was a sovereign move of God. But I don't know if you know in 2006, 2007, 2008, there was this thing called the Great Recession. Our bank went bankrupt. I didn't know that could happen. When they did, they called our church's note. Our church had to lay off staff. We sacrificed at a high level. Our church had souls being saved, miracles that were breaking out, a move of God at Boise State University. But the one thing we didn't have, we had no money. And I went and spoke. My first international speaking engagement was in January in Edmonton, Canada. You want to talk about birth control. I didn't want to ever do ministry again after that trip. I'm like, if this is ministry, Edmonton in January, negative 36 degrees. That's what I'm talking about right there. I'm like, oh, I want to stay home. But I'll tell you what happened. I went to Edmonton, Canada, and I met a guy named Ron. And this guy made a decision when he was 20-something years old. He said, God, at 40, I'm going to make $10 million 
in the bank. I'm going to pay cash for my dream house. I'm going to buy several supercars, and I'm going to be happy. You know what happened to Ron? He didn't get there at 40 years old. He got there in his 30s. In his young 30s, he gets to this dream house being paid off, several supercars. He has all this money in the bank. He said it was the most empty day of his life. I think in some ways, hear me today, it could be worse to be rich without Jesus than poor. Because if you're poor, you could believe a lie. It's a lie, but you could believe a lie that your life would be better if you won the lottery. If you're wealthy, you know that you can be empty without God. So he gets to this dream location and he's empty. And he hears the voice of God saying, do you want to have some fun? He's like, yeah, let's do it. He says, here's what we're going to do. From now on, I want you to tithe 10% to your local church. First $200,000, everything past $200,000, let's split it for the kingdom, 50-50. Ron made up his mind to do that. I was a benefactor. 2010, we had no money for a youth revival. Ron wrote us a $500,000 check. It paid for our sound systems. It paid for our, our, our theaters we rented. It, it literally funded a revival at Boise State. One guy, one guy had a must with his money. And I wonder what we could do in Orange County if we had a bunch of people that said, you know what, we're going to win. I'm going to win big. We're going to make a difference. We're going to see God revive our city. Can I get a good amen? The last thing I want you to write down is there's got to be a must. I'm just telling you, if you don't have a must your money, a mandate, or a method, you probably haven't had a father's business encounter yet. I'm going to pray for you today. Still with me today? Last thing I want you to write down is your must has to affect your model. Jesus is our model. I'm not trying to compare myself to the preacher down the street, to the non-believer in my neighborhood, to the crazy girl at the club. My desire is to model my life after Jesus. Jesus left the earth with statements like this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He said things like this. Hey, I want you to go and I'm commanding you to make disciples of all nations. We're struggling to make disciples out of our children. Where are those that are making disciples of the nations? He authorized us to use his name to move against the enemy in his kingly authority. This means that there is a war to evict Satan, his work, and our gospel kingdom message is now the hands, it's in the hands of the church to bring liberty to cities. The God of peace, the Bible says in Romans 16, 20, will soon crush Satan under his feet. Psalm 68, 21, God will crush the head of his enemies. Psalm 72, 4, he will crush the oppressor. God's, hear me now, desire, his must, is to completely destroy Satan. And as long as you're like, ah, it's not a big deal, you won't have victory in that area of your life. We're going to have a zero tolerance policy for anything that does not belong to the Spirit of God. Can I get a good amen? He said in Luke 10, 19, I've given you all authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome, say all. Say it like you mean it, all. All the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. I believe that God is raising up a warrior bride that's gonna plunder the structures of darkness because we live with an eternal must. I must spend time with him. I must get into the secret place. I must be about my father's business. 
Lord, my mandate, my methods, my money, God, everything about my life, my model is all about you. Where are the people that say, I must? I want to live with a holy must. Amen? I just think there's many people today that don't have a must because we're allowing Babylon to shape our appetites. I don't want to do that. I don't want people with spiritual transmitted diseases affecting me. You can call them STDs if you want. Spiritually transmitted diseases are people that are hurt by familiar spirits that attract other hurt people. It's where bitter people attract other bitter people. It's where negative people attract other negative people. I am not going to do this life of attracting broken people to myself. I'm going to let people that have a must that is holy be the ones that I build with, the ones that I value my time with. Where are the people in Orange County that have a holy must? Amen. You might come from abuse, but abuse doesn't have to come from you. You might come from darkness, but darkness doesn't have to come from you. You might come from a godless family, but a godless family does not need to come from you. You and I have the choice to decide what our must is. Jesus showed us at 12, listen to me, at 12, this is my must. And I'm inviting you today, you're never too old or too young, to invite God into your must. You know my grandma was 13 years old at Camp Cedarcrest? 13. She was in Camp Cedarcrest in the mountains of Big Bear. She had a vision of hell. She saw people in Asia falling into the lake of fire. It was very similar to Acts 16 when Paul had a vision of the man from Macedonia calling him come. She would spend the next five years of her life learning Mandarin. She learned Mandarin in high school back before you could get a PhD when you're in junior high. It was a different day of time. She would take a city bus from Eagle Rock. She would go to UCLA and take language classes in high school. She graduated, went to Life Pacific. She was discipled by a girl named Amy Simple McPherson. And as a single 24-year-old, she got on a ship, spent four weeks to go to China, where she would pioneer the first four square churches in China. She was 13 years old when she encountered her must. So you're never too young. Some of you might be 65. And you're like, maybe God gave me the gift of making money because there's a must. Maybe you're here today and you're like, no, I, I, I'm retired now. I could actually do ministry. I could, I could do missions. Some of you will be in different continents doing missions these next 10 years if you'll let God put his must inside of you. Are you hearing me today? And unlike musk, you know the similarity of must and musk is? It's a lot of times you don't know what your must is until you start to perspire. Musky shirts don't smell until you sweat. And you won't know what your must is until life squeezes you. And you're like, what really is my mandate? What is my method? What is, where, where is my money gonna go? What is my model? It's easy to be generous when you win the lottery. It's easy to give God your Sundays when you have nothing going on. It's easy to drop your kids off at youth when there's no school or sports. What is your must? And here's my prayer as you stand to your feet, I'll wrap this up. I believe if you'll invite God into today, He'll give you His must. His must. 
You know what the must is of God? I want to please the God that gave me life. And here's the paradox. To chase God and to have God at the same time. It's a weird paradox, isn't it? I have Jesus, but I'm all in pursuing Him. Here's the paradox. I live to please Him, but as I'm pleasing Him, it somehow pleases me. Matthew 6, 33, 6, 30-something, 33. says, seek first the kingdom, His righteousness. He says, all these other things will be added unto you. Yeah, that's been your life first, Ben and Lucille. And God is going to add all things unto you. You put the kingdom first, and you watch how every detail, line upon line, precept upon precept. I'm telling you that God's going to take care of every single detail. Mark Weimer, I saw you and Bethany, and I saw these like, almost like generals. And I saw you were in the military, Mark, and it was like uh, one of those highly decorated military officers. And he had all these special patches for bravery, for courage, for persistence, for, for just tenacious faith. And I saw a highly decorated uh, a military man. And I heard the Lord say, because you've lived your life to please me, the one that enlisted you, watch how I give you new orders today. Watch how I give you a new mission, a new assignment. I hear the Lord saying that like, a, like an athlete, there's going to be new fields, new sports that I'm bringing you into. And like a farmer, there's going to be new fields that you're going to sow and you're going to reap in. This is going to be a blessed season because God, is, God has seen that Purple Heart effort. I bless the Wymore family. Your kids are going to rise up and call you blessed. And only with your eyes and with your ears will you see your desire. God will answer your prayers for your children and satisfy deep desires longing in your heart for ministry. You've asked God for nations and he'll give them to you. I think that God isn't going to take you to the nations. He's going to bring the nations to you. I see you impacting college students. I see you training the missionaries of the future. I see you training the worship leaders of tomorrow. And there's going to be a grace, an anointing, a favor, a wittiness, a right place, a right time, location. I see God unlocking a new field of effective, a new door of effective ministry. In Jesus' name, we bless the Wymore family. Come on, give God a hand clap. You love them today. I'm sorry. I just felt like I need to pray for these great pastors. He's here. Just do me a favor all over Ocean's Church today. How many say, Mark, I don't want to live for a temporary must? I know it's hot, sweating, nobody's business, but I know the voice of God, and I feel like God wanted me to come today and say, look, Part of living in a dark country, dark environment, and not letting the darkness infiltrate you is for you to solidify, this is how I must live. This is my purpose. My must is God has my mandate. He has my methods. He has my money. And he certainly has my model. He is the one. And listen to me. When he has your purpose, all of your priorities fall into place. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I would love the Holy Spirit like a chiropractor today, to align my must. I want to live with a holy must. Would you just lift your hands all over the place? I know we could belabor this today. Come on, if your hands are up today, and say, Mark, I want my must to have God's mandate all over it. I want a holy must on my vocation and my calling and my career. Come on, give him a wave offering. Lord, you have my must. You have my must. Secondly, you say, Mark, I want my methods, my manner of life, 
my example to my children and my wife, my husband. I want my, my methods to have your must. Give them a wave offering right now. Come up here here say, God, I want to invest my money, my vocation in eternity, not just the temporary. You have my must. You have my must with my money. Give them a wave offering. Come on, fourthly, you're here. You say, God, I want you to have, I want you to know that you are my model. My must is on all of the things that you've modeled for me. Give them a wave offering. Now go ahead and grab your neighbor's sweaty hand. We do this to teach you how to pray. Many of you know how to pray well, but some of you don't. And this is how you learn how to pray. It's in church. Jesus didn't say my house will be a house of great lights, of great entertainment, of great jokes. He said my house will be called a house of prayer. So right now we're going to do business with God. Listen to me. If you get serious with Him, He will get serious with you. So right now all over these tents and online, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I lift up my neighbor on my left and my right. And I ask you today to fill them with a holy must. Redeem their mandates. Redeem their methods. Redeem their money. And redeem the model of life they follow you in. I pray today no weapon formed against them shall prosper. As we evict darkness, we say, Holy Spirit, come, fill them up. Your mandate, your methods, your money, your model, your holy must. Bless them. Let them leave like Jesus, living for their Father's business. I bless them now in Jesus Christ's name. That's powerful right now. Come on, say amen. That's powerful. Someone felt the power. That's the power of God right there. It's the power of God. Coming over your ideas, your dreams, your thoughts. It's the power of God. Now we wrap this up. Almost finished today. If you're here and you go, Mark, to be very honest with you, man, I need a healing in my body. There's someone that God told me last service that was going to file bankruptcy this week. I had a word like this God gave me about four and a half years ago. It was a, I, I share the word that someone's going to file bankruptcy, but they weren't anymore because God would provide a stream of income that would change their whole life. I don't have this all the time. I've only had it maybe two times in my whole life. There's a guy in our church named Chris, and that week he went from almost filing bankruptcy with a car dealership to literally that week got hired in a, a, a title position, would make more money, got out of debt, would start other companies, now a CEO of a big, big, a big company. And God did a creative miracle. I gave the word. I met him after church. I said it would take two days. It was the next morning. He said, Mark, I got a phone call with a job opportunity. He said, the commission off this job will get me out of debt in like a few months. And um, his first, I think, month, he signed up a client that was bigger than everyone in this company put together. They had to hire like 30 new employees for the one contract that he signed. I know in God, listen, I know I'm not the smartest guy, but I know in God speaking. And I believe there is a gift, there's gifts of healing, and there's also a working of miracles. There's two things I want to pray for right now. If you need a gift of healing, physical healing right now in your body, mind, soul, spirit, addiction, I want you to lift your hands up. We're going to lift them up. Yeah, that's many gift of healing. Healing, healing. Okay, up and down. Awesome. 
And secondly, I heard the Lord say this today, there's gonna be workings of miracles. This is when something happens that's so out of the norm. You know, I don't know how I got this job, this opportunity, this guy called me, I got invited, this headhunter found me, I got a cell that no one's ever got before. It's a working of miracles. I have faith today there's gonna be miracles this week. It's gonna be in your business, your careers, callings. I believe there's some business ideas that God is gonna release this week. If you need a gift of miracles, working of miracles, lift your hands up and down. If you raise your hand at those two areas, lift both hands towards heaven. I'm gonna release, I have faith. You said that we bind and loose. So right now with hands up, I want you, I know most people have their hands up on this tent. So just receive it by yourself. Say in Jesus' name, I receive gifts of healing. Top of my head, soles of my feet. Evict sickness, disease, disorders, trauma, in Jesus' name. Heal my heart. Wash my mind. Jesus' name. Say this, I release workings of miracles. Holy Spirit, place me. Right place, right time. Do miracles in my family, in my business, in my personal life this week turn it around turn the faucet on unclog the dam in Jesus Christ's name I saw David Brackett I don't know if he's in here or David Bancroft today I saw God releasing just releasing like a fountain of heaven right now David Brackett releasing fountain of heaven right now I pray right now, if you're a business owner, just lift your hands. I feel like the waters are stirring right now. God wants to give you blueprints for your companies this week. I don't do this every Sunday. I feel the waters right now. God is stirring something up. He's stirring up your imagination. He's stirring up dreams and visions. Come on, I, I, God gave me a vision for Baptized SoCal. I had no idea. It would be the largest water baptism in American history. It was a God vision. And if God can give me a vision, He can give you a vision. If you are a business owner, a business leader, lift your hands right now. I just have faith. We release dreams. We release visions. There is a holy wealth transfer coming that the wealth of the wicked will be laid up for the righteous. I pray, Lord, that there would be millionaires and even billionaires that would come out of this house that would finance the next great move of God. We pray for strategic ideas, inventions, witty ideas, creative, innovative thoughts. We release them now. We release them now. I feel, I'm sorry, I'm almost done. He's, he's here. If you're here and you have an idea for a nonprofit, it's a ministry outlet. Some of you, it's for other nations. Some of you, it's domestic here. I saw someone having a burden for like the homeless, having a burden for like clothing, those that need clothing and school supplies. We're gonna start many of these ministries this year. If God has put a ministry in your heart to start, I'm gonna pray that God would en enable you, equip you these next six to 12 months. If that Just lift your hands, just lift your hands right now. I believe that God is putting ideas for ministry. Ministries that would touch this county. God showed me that Ocean's Church 
would actually help a, a, a lot of the poverty issues in Santa Ana, in Tustin. This church is going to be like a, like a lifeboat that comes and rescues those. Come on, raise your hands. There's ministries in you. There's ministries in you. Come on, if someone's hands up next to you, put your hand on their shoulder right now. Put your hand on their shoulder right now. If someone's hands up for ministry opportunities, come on, just put your hand on their shoulder right now. Just pray this prayer. Say, in Jesus' name, we release dreams, visions, ministries. Ministries that would change this county, this state, this nation, and the nations of the world. Holy Spirit, give them the resources, give them the blueprints, show them how to build. In Jesus' name, listen to me, Ocean's Church is full of master dreamers. There are Joseph's in this church. There, I repeat, Joseph's in this church that are gonna have blueprints that touch nations. Come on, if you, believe, if you receive that day, give God a good hand clap and a shout. Mighty God. Mighty God. Mighty God. Mighty God. See you. Mighty God. Just put your hand on your heart today, Lord. I just bless everyone that came today. I pray for a peace, a clarity, a joy that they did not come with. I pray right now for anyone that's not walking with you. Maybe we already prayed for them today, but if they're here and they came to this church not living for Jesus, I'm not asking if you believe in God. I'm asking, are you living your life with a must? If you must give your life to Jesus today, if you must get right with God today, if you must surrender all today, I, I don't have time to belabor this. I'm already a little over on time this service. I'm gonna ask you with every eye closed, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm just gonna ask you to pop your hand up in the air. I'm gonna count the hands. We're gonna pray one prayer. I'm gonna give it over, we'll be out of here. If you're here and you say, Mark, I can't leave this place. I must get right with God. The rest of my days, I wanna live with Jesus and for Jesus with a father's must. If that's you all over the tents today, online, your right heart, all over the tents, just raise your hand. I'll give you three seconds. One, Holy Spirit, there's hands going up right now. I pray everyone that's supposed to respond would respond now. Two, more hands going up real high, real high. I must. Real high, three, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. I see one, two, three, four, five in the back, six, seven, eight, nine. I see that hand, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, married couples, I love it. 13, 14, yeah, real high, 15, 16, 17. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. I see 17 hands. Anybody else? So awesome. I must. Just pray this prayer today. Say, Jesus, today. I must give you my heart, give you my faith. Holy Spirit, fill me, heal me, wash me, and lead me from this day forward. Say it like you mean it. Jesus Christ, be the God of my life. Be the author of my story. Today, I give you everything. I ask you, for a great church to plant in. I ask you to speak to me as I read your Bible. And I ask you for friends that know you better than I do. In Jesus' name, you prayed that prayer. Come on, Ocean, let's celebrate 18 people today. That's awesome.